I'm Al Filreis, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends in the world of contemporary poetry and poetics to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem or poems. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for a poem that interests us, some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Penn Sound archive, writing.upenn.edu slash Penn Sound. Today, I'm joined here in Philadelphia at the Kelly Writers House in our Wexler studio by Rachel Zolf. Canadian poet, scholar, teacher, author of five books of poetry, among them Neighbor Procedure, Human Resources, Janie's Arcadia of 2014, which was a Lambda Literary Award nominee, who has taught at the University of Calgary and the New School and here at the University of Pennsylvania, where I'm thrilled to say she's soon going to be co-teaching a hybrid seminar on writing and art with the artist Sharon Hayes. And by Erica Kaufman, poet, critic, and progressive educator, whose books include Sensory Impulse and the relatively recent Instant Classic, which Erica was an instant classic on my bookshelf, haha, published by Roof in 2013, who is Associate Director of the Institute for Writing and Thinking at Bard College and who, with Julia Block and others, has created the Teacher Resource Center in our free, open, non-credit online course on modern and contemporary U.S. poetry called ModPo, and will now be coordinating that effort to provide a ton of free resources and real-time guidance to teachers of poetry on all levels all over the world. And by Eileen Miles, poet, art critic, prose writer, working artist, to use her phrase, whose more than 20 books include poetry, fiction, nonfiction, criticism, libretti, plays, and performance pieces, former candidate for president of the United States, visiting writer at various colleges and universities, including Bard, Naropa, UCSD, among others, who in recent months has, along with the rest of us, celebrated the major republication of Chelsea Girls and I Must Be Living Twice, new and selected poems, both HarperCollins, who in the poem Writing once said that I can connect any two things, a humble statement suggesting the pleasure she gets from writing poems, but also indicating a particular astonishing talent that all her writing bears out. Eileen, thank you so much for spending the last few days with us here at the Writer's House. Thank you, Al. So much fun to be here. Yeah, it's been great. And Rachel, good to see you again. Good to see you too, Al. Nice that you're, I see you regularly around here yeah. these days. And Erica, always good to have you back. Al, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. How many poem talks have you been on? A lot. A lot. It's great. Every They're time. super fun. Well, um, we are, the four of us here today, to talk about four short poems from a brand new manuscript by Simone White. The book is to be called Of Being Dispersed and is being published by Future Poem. And we're grateful to Simone White, who has shared with us the typescript of the whole book, and to the people of the Future Poem Collaborative, too, for giving us all a sneak preview of this new work. The four poems we'll talk about right now, today, are Kettle to Pot, another one called, from its first line, There Was a a Time I Hardly Went Three Steps, another by its first line, Don't Muzzle Me, Fucker Maker, and finally one with a title, It Must Be Shameless. Simone White performed these poems and others in a Segway series reading at Zinc Bar in New York on January 11th, 2014, and that recording is available on Simone White's Penn Sound page. So here now is Simone White reading four poems from Of Being Dispersed. Kettle to Pot. 
unable to pour boiling water over an edge from kettle to pot. Water boils from kettle to neti pot, still boils from kettle to cup running over, boil pool, steam pool, leak pool, little coiling pot over the boiled edge of boil pooled salt vapors, sulfurous stank boil heel dangled over the boiled edge of burnt earth, cooling salt pool, nettle stung, black clotted blood at the bottom of the sink. There was a time I hardly went three steps except another black girl was with me. Mother, always lonely. I am always. Mother, those girls, 42. March, summer, light blue, Vermont, endless crescent, invert as a tyke lake. Fernet, mother, I'm grown. Forest, San Francisco, lone cold, stone turd, talk three or none, kidding, kidding. Don't nuzzle me, fucker maker, rinky-dink, kale-feeding, guinea pig, funky bag of corn chips, plastic shoe-wearing, crinkle-fry bastard up in here tonight. Why don't you go ahead? Mr. Plinth butt, enroll your dumbass a lavender cigarette. Don't make me slap a freeze on this watermatic bullshit. Get me a rancorous tinker toy and turn this motherfucker out. It must be shameless. Apart, disclaimed, wicked pea, split, soft skin of the principal princess who writhes. A little blood passes her perineum every night. Gray linen sheets, flax talisman, plot lux to strip and scrub all gore. A plain bar of secret white soap. It is a pine tree. It is an orange blossom. It is a rose hip under a baby tongue. Blood cuts. Punisher, swear it closed, closes it. Hey Erica, can you can you start off by talking about the language as you see it here? Um, you know, she's doing something different in these poems than he, than she does in later in the manuscript. So, is there something particular about the way she's writing here that you want to start with? I think of these poems as being particularly fierce poems, and I mean that in a a lot of different ways. Like, I just feel like the strength of her language is fantastically fierce. Um, she's also doing something with the way that words sound. And she's thinking a lot about repetition and the rhythm of language and um, the way that words bump up against each other on the page. Examples of ferocity, any of us? Well, the whole the whole poem, Don't Nuzzle Me, Fucker Maker, is kind of a curse. It's a playful curse. But I just feel like she's doing this sort of hard kind of syllabic dance with sort of anger and teasing all at once. But it seems like the most, um, not remote, 
but the one that most is sort of stands alone as a gesture unto itself, and it's all like shaking it at you, you know. Who's the fucker maker, or do we have any idea? See, I I feel like this is an intimate poem. I feel like this is the way you might talk wildly to someone that you actually have an intimate relationship with that you're furious at, and you're not throwing them out, but you're gonna like really shake your stuff at them, and and you know. So I mean, that could be totally. Wrong, I took it but, that way too, Eileen. But the the, an, the end is a little difficult, or not difficult, but it changes because it turns the motherfucker is now referred to in the third person, mm-hmm. something, uh, s- someone to turn out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rachel, yeah, ferocity. Is, I think it's the out and the en- at the end goes back to the in of the fifth line. It, I'm reading it as heterosexual sex. You know, don't don't nuzzle me. Um, fucker me up in here tonight and then and turn this motherfucker out like and and in and out there's all this phallic imagery mm-hmm. with the cigarette and the um go ahead mister the, yeah Plinth, uh, um i don't know i had like a, i got a lot of different sex stuff out of it like get me a rancorous tinker toy i was thinking like get me a toy instead so then the third um, person becomes the sexual object rather than the person she's also calling this person out in a Perhaps if it's a loving, sexy poem, uh, in a pl- in a kidding way, um, there's ca- eating kale like a guinea pig, or there's um, lavender cigarettes. There's there's a certain amount of teasing I think mm-hmm. that's going on there. The st- the first line is what made me think. Don't nuzzle me, fucker maker. Is just somebody that like already knows perfectly well what you've they've done wrong and then they're gonna try to act like right, nothing yeah, yeah, happened yeah. you know and and i just so i i kind of took i love like translating the, you know like and turn this motherfucker out just stop that shit just turn this motherfucker out you know have enough of it you know but whatever it's just like it's it's so glorious i think that's the easy poem of the four to see the ferocity can we turn to kettle to pot where there's still i think erica that same ferocity but it's denser and there's wordplay and it's it's you know Gerard Manley Hopkins like in the way it just really works every phoneme any thoughts about that one well that's that's the one I was thinking about when I said what I said um because out of these four poems I think that this is the one that it's it's a bit more challenging to think about what's going on beneath the sonic power of the way that the language is working. Mm-hmm. So what is going on? There's an address, kettle to pot, presumably, right? And yeah. There's an idiom behind it, you know, pot calling kettle black. Mm-hmm. These are kind of a suite of, of like, I guess, sort of feminist domestic poems. I think that in this poem, her primary focus is probably on sound and on rhythm. And I know that Simone is generally very interested in music and thinks a lot about rhythm and sound and the way that words sound. And I think that here what she's doing is she's taking a pretty typical domestic scene and turning it on its head. So you're making tea, right? So she's slowing down the process of boiling water, right? Unable to pour boiling water over an edge from kettle to pot. The water boils from kettle to neti pot. So she's taking this image of transferring boiling water and doing something very different to it. And then by the end, you get the burnt earth, the nettle stung, the black clotted blood at the bottom of the sink. Things are real different. 
where are we going there? What's happening? The register changes. Well, actually, and actually, the neti pot is the is key in the beginning. So it seems like she's trying to put the water in the neti pot, which is a cleansing thing that you'd put through your nose, right? What's, what's interesting is that um, you don't see the process process at all around. Like, there's all this other stuff happening about the the weird, the difficulty of um, pouring it, pouring the water, but there's nothing actually about the process of putting it through your, your nose. There's just this this end. Um, the second stanza, um, it says little cooling pot over the boiled edge. And she reads it in the recording as little coiling pot, which is really interesting. There's like a turn that happens in the poem right around there or right before there where it's like um, the, the pool becomes a leak pool. And then the, the, the cooling becomes coiling. And then the boiling becomes like a boil, like a sick thing, you know, like a, like a, a weeping boil, you know. I mean, I can't help. I mean, just this has been helpful just sitting here talk, looking at it and talking about it and thinking about it with you guys because I feel like in some ways I feel like it's it's about an altered state you know because there's a real musicality to it and it's but it's visual musicality like I couldn't get over like how much pool kept like bubbling up like it was like the surface of the poem is bubbling you know and it reminded me of being like at Yellowstone where those parts where it's Minerva's you know there's all these like geysers all near each other and the water's popping out of one and then to another and then to another and stuff but this is domestic and so, and at the end, you've got well, you got neti pots, so we get body connected to all these pots, and then you got the little clot of blood at the end. So there's a way in which it's sort of all these vessels connected to the vessel of the body and even the female body, you know. And so then I think what state is one in when they would just sort of trip out on all this weird spillage, and and it's like when you're sick, you know, and yeah, you're just sort yeah. of. Yeah. trying to cleanse this the sink and the neti pot and a little bit of blood because the little bit of blood made me think of that John Wiener's poem that suddenly there's suddenly a speck of blood and you're like, ooh. Changes and suddenly everything. it's dangerous. But I don't think this is this is too playful to be dangerous, but I think the person is, you know, in an altered state and they're mesmerized by all the vesselness. I'm with you, Eileen, and I, I see that I see the end as um where the contemplation goes from a simple t- domestic routine into kind of vaporous life life essence contemplation of origins almost earthly origins Mm -hmm. salt vapor self it almost seems like there's a kind of genesis in the back of this small domestic activity a kind of starting over like a progenitory i don't know if that's a word like a blood as both um a kind of liquidation not in not in the sense of elimination but we are all water we're all vapors so, you know, it seems to me like um, she's starting with something simple and then, as you say, tripping out using the sounds to come to some really big essence. And I guess what, what now that I'm thinking about what struck me as being particularly fierce about this poem is that what she's doing, as Rachel was saying before, is she's not giving you any of the cleansing stuff. She's just giving you the mess <laughs> in <laughs> all of its um, interesting detail. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't do the use the idiom um, pot calling kettle black. This is more like transfer from kettle to pot to make tea. And what does that idiom mean? Pot calling it kettle black. It means you're a hypocrite. It means so you're a hypocrite, right? Yeah. I looked it up and it's like that, that the, pot, the pots used to be like dark metal um, and kettles were like shiny. And so that the... the the pot saw its reflection in the kettle mm-hmm. and thought the kettle was black. Huh. So there's an interesting sense of mirroring that huh. comes up here. Because then, so then you have kettle to pot, right? So right. that's a kind of mirroring of pot to kettle. Um, and then there's mirroring in the language that happens. Right. It's very speechy. Like the whole thing is like this massive 
conversation between all these, like kettle to pot, you know, like I, you know, it's almost suggest a dialogue, but it's this multi-voice, multi-vocal dialogue between all these yeah. containers. And the water boiling could be anger too, right? It could be, um, you know, I mean, you know. The well, you have so, a cup running, a cup is running over. Yeah, exactly. So, which is another idiom, right? Yes, it is. A cu cup runneth over means um, excess of spirit or emotion or too much. Mm -hmm. It can right? be sarcastic too. Like if you be talking about his These comments. days it's yeah. mostly, yeah. yeah. It could also be that she's tripping out on the language and forgot to stop pouring the water. Um, well, let's go to, um, there was a time I hardly went three steps except mm. another black girl was with me. What do you make of that opening? I, I, I you know, I kind of, Narr I mean, I really make a story out of this because the whole kind of the very beginning. There was a time when I hardly went three steps, except another black girl with me. Means it's not safe for one black totally, girl to go totally. out alone. Yeah, right. And mother, those girls. I feel like is some historic something happened to two or three girls or one girl. You know. Oh, you're it, seeing that as a, a verb. Mother, those girls. Hmm. Yeah, mother, verb. those girls. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I think it's like a reference to something to to why the mother. Yeah. Will not let the girl go out except with two or three girls. Or speaking back, Eileen, to the memory, you know, like here is Simone now saying, mother those girls to the original scene, mm -hmm. hoping that something could have been different. Yeah, it's oh. interesting because at the end it's got the talk three or none. So who are these three? So the three could be back to the beginning like that, the, that you want to be two or three. You want to, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you know. And, and for me, the, the, the part of the recording that was most telling was a kidding kidding yeah it's sort of like kind of a verbal erasure of the entire it's like don't yeah. take it's almost like don't take this seriously it's interesting though the kidding though um so she read it really lightly but if you on the page i read it as kidding like the first one is like jk just kidding right yeah and the second one i thought more deeply about what kidding could be it could be birthing it could be huh right but making a kid a pun on that yeah sure um so and it made me go back to the whole thing and think of is this about her relationship to mothering herself um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like even to be banal, like stone turd, like being constipated when you're, when you're pregnant, mm -hmm. when you're really pregnant or, mm -hmm. um, and then I the three as being like a, some type of nuclear family. I, and also even that sense of like, is that I hardly went three steps except another black girl. Is this, is this another version of herself? You know, this other, this other mm -hmm. black girl. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, there's infinite possibility. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like of being dispersed is the right is the book of being numerous, right? Calling out to up and away from the singular to the to the multiple. They're, they're really in these Can in these poems. Can you riffle further on that? Because um, we didn't mention, we didn't, we sort of just stipulated that the reference to the op and title and yeah. what it might mean for her. So the book is called of being dispersed and which probably calls a bit on of being numerous which is the name of a book by george oppen american poet um, communist modernist poet um and the lines from from his poem that are um applicable it says bewildered by the shipwreck of the singular we have chosen the meaning of being numerous and so to you know push that from a being numerous to a being dispersed brings in the um, diaspora, uh, black dias diaspora, and um, also this this kind of that, that is enacted in these poems, in these in these various dialects, these various ways of telling a story, right? The parable, the we'll, we'll get to the fairy tale. And she has some of the play that we saw in the Nuzzle poem, um, Lone Cold Stone Turd, just working with those vowels, talk three or none. I mean. 
this is what poetry does at its best, right? Is there's something back there. We don't really need to know the whole story, but she's going to work it. And then, as Eileen is saying, there's a kind of either backing off or a faux backing off at the end. Um, let's let's talk about it. Must be shameless, and then and then we sort of talk generally about what's going on in this poetry overall. I mean, I I, I heard the famous Wallace Stevens notes toward a supreme fiction. It must be abstract. It must change. It must give pleasure. So it's kind of a response to that, maybe as a title. But what else do we want to say about it? I love the title of the poem. It must be shameless. I mean, the interesting thing about particularly don't nuzzle me fucker maker in this poem is that they're such physical poems Mm -hmm. and they're poems that are dealing with sex and sexuality in a visceral way so it's you know in this poem it's it's about the body's needs and it's feminist in terms of the way that i think that what she's doing is addressing the way that often feminine needs are seen as a problem and what is it it is a pine tree. It is an orange blossom. Is it a rose hip? Swear it closed. Closes it. It must be shameless. Not that we have to know, but I mean... Oh, I just noticed that inversion. Is it, is it a rose hip? I thought yeah. it was it is. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in reading it, she didn't do that. She kept it all going the same Did she? Yeah. 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 Well, it could be... We're looking at a typescript, so it might might actually be an inversion. But but what what could it be? I mean, it... it how ultimate and essential is it? Well, I, when I saw it as a rose hip under a baby tongue, I th- that's when I thought it was a clit. There's plenty of evidence for that reading. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, this is the princess and the pea gone wild. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a ambiguous poem, though. I mean, like, I'm try- trying to imagine the princess on the 20 mattresses and the peas at the bottom and... Um, and sh- and this figure is writhing on the bed and can feel the pee, right? And the pee, that's how I'm imagining it. what's the story with that princess is that she's just so sensitive that a pee Yeah, and that shows down. your royal that shows your royal blood. So you're identity. only really royal and highborn if a little pee could bother you. Yeah, by your physical sensitivity, yeah. So what is Simone White saying to that? No, you don't have to be royal born. Everybody it's, feels I don't think it's, it's about that. The yeah. poem is so much it's, it's like experience it is so much discomfort, you know. And and I keep I keep reversing it. Like part of me thinks that she's looking at a single image and she's doing a takedown by trying to enter it in, in some kind of internal way and, and ticking off or enumerating feelings or other names for these things. Yeah, it's not really pleasurable. Like the the it's like it's something it hurts. You know, I mean, even though, even though the the writh- there's writhing, there's this the it seems to me like a vagina, like a a. a it that's closed and closed, and the blo- the bloody the bloodiness on the on this these weird sheets like this this barrage of nouns gray linen sheets flax talisman plot locks like what an interesting lot like is flax yeah. a verb like what what is happening here we've already got linen sheets why would we need flax sheets as well so. yeah I, I was I was again thinking about Gerard Manley Hopkins and those na- just those noun clauses which creates an incredible condensation. There's an attempt that doesn't quite work to clean things up, to make things clean in virginal way that just doesn't doesn't work. There's something um, the way that she's using nouns and the level of detail makes me look at this as as a kind of painting or like as an ekphrastic poem. Mm-hmm. So she's really presenting an idea from many different ways, but she's also 
very carefully crafting a sequence of images mm-hmm. that seem to culminate into one image. Um, I guess we could ask someone like this, but I, I and I may I could have, but um, my reading of it must be shameless is some kind of echo of the you know famous high modernist Ars Poetica of Wallace Stevens telling us what poetry should be. It must be this. It must be that. And so I keep seeing it. It must be shameless as a rejoinder to that. What what must poetry be? What is the basis of poetry? Mm. And it must be abstract is the closest analog to it must be shameless in that thing. That's sort of, and it it must be abstract is exactly the opposite of what Simone White is saying. She wants her language to be. I don't think it's an ars poetica at all. I feel like I can't. I mean, I even this is the one that makes most makes me think about being pregnant or giving birth, a little mm. bit of like, um, where is it? The, uh, a little blood passes her perineum every night. It's that little tiny detail makes th- me think that we're kind of, try- she's trying to conjure up an emotional state for mm. being in a real physical state. And, but Because the last line is really most compelling. Punisher, swear it closed, closes it. It's like, what's that? So it's almost, it almost makes me think about not try- trying not to lose a baby. Like what would because it's not like I mean I I don't think this is about a really bad sexual experience so that it but it is seems very about a cunt hmm. in some way and so then I think when do you want a cunt closed and I was like when you don't want to deliver a baby you know so much of her work has this kind of on this line between violence and cleansing you know the two are like at war you know like cleaning the body and the body being this kind of wild dirty yeah yeah and we lose the agency at the end really brilliantly I think swear it closed so someone is doing the imperative swear but then closes it seems almost like closing is being done from some other agent or is it the punisher does that like it's, yeah, it's right. unclear whether or not the punisher does close it okay yeah, yeah. well like a helper of sorts the you know the person perhaps whatever is giving you pain but is achieving a goal of some sort so what's sh- what is shameless what must be shameless what's the it there the cunt and it, it must be meaning yeah. it's a positive statement. It must. It's a. It must be flagrant, you know, flagrant, brazen, shameless. A little blood passes her perineum every night. Gray linen sheets, flax talisman, plot lux to strip and scrub all gore. A plain bar of secret white soap. It is a pine tree. It is an orange blossom. It is a rose hip under a baby tongue. Blood cuts. Punisher, swear it closed, closes it. Okay, so let's talk generally for a few minutes about um, what we're seeing in this writing. Um, Eric, I know you're very familiar with this work. What, 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 do you, what would you say? What do you say to people when you describe what Simone White is doing currently? I think she's doing some pretty radical things formally. I also think that she's addressing both race and gender in ways that other people just aren't really. I'm admittedly thinking about other poems from this manuscript. There's, I think that it's a series of poems where she's narrating um, encounters that she's had on the subway or walking to and from the subway. Mm -hmm. And she just is very kind of clearly without it being at all predictable (laughs) <laughs> linguistically right she's she's telling you how it is 
Is that the preliminary notes on street street attacks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought of that one with the don't nuzzle me, motherfucker yeah. maker. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, nuzzling up to you on the subway or... But also, yeah, like your lover nuzzling up to you in bed when you really don't want to be nuzzled with. You know. I really feel the push from up in here into, into a kind of another type of voice that's dispersed that enacts what it says and pushes the reader as we are being pushed into all these different directions um, so that we're, we're unmoored ourselves and interested in that space. You know. So numerousness is plenitude and amplitude, but dispersal is more inclusive and wider and um, more engaged with being in lots of places at once. Would and you it's say? also, no, it's also harder. It's got more affect. It's, 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 it's been pushed out rather than deciding to be numerous. You're, you're being dispersed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's being unmoored in terms of identity, in terms of um, solid ground. What is the line from the neti pot? Burnt earth and class. Yes, class. I mean, I just yeah. I feel like it's sort of like it's really it's really traveling through through. I mean, within the same poem or from poem to poem, it, the, there's just a multitude of speakers and dictions and and totally dialects. Yeah, um, and a lot about family uh-huh. and like the you know the different constructions of family and within one family how different family members go different paths, but you always come back to the language that you speak with the people you're close to at home. Let's go around uh, once more. We talk a lot about this this work, but let's just try to offer one more final thought for each of us. Just anything about one of the poems that you wanted to say but didn't get a chance to so far? It's a tiny thing, but I just... um want to articulate like the importance of reverie in here you know where the, the, just these three you know it's like that just that little passage of it is a pine tree it is an orange blossom is it a rose hip you know it's sort of like within these kind of very gritty almost clear working couplets you suddenly get this kind of opening and this kind of kind of dash for it, you know, through like imagination or dream. And it seems like so it's so much what holds the poems together in a way. It's, it's this capacity to go into a completely different mode so that you don't ever get stuck. And and I don't lose interest because they, they have this capacity to go someplace else. Mm. I was going to say something similar with regards to the poem Don't, don't Nuzzle Me Fucker Maker, which is a poem about fighting, but it's full it's it's a beautifully angry poem. It's full of like this reverie and irreverent language and it's amazingly unpredictable from line to line, like crinkle fry bastard. Why don't you go ahead, Mr. Plinthbutt? Lavender cigarette? Wardomatic? Like this is pretty fabulous language mm-hmm. for an angry poem. And I'm just really impressed by just I mean, the range of material we're working with just in these four four poems, as well as just uh, her use of her just the carefulness of her language and the carefulness of her punctuation and repetition, like that line in in uh, there was a time, a mother, and then it's period, always lonely period. I am always, and I was totally gonna call on the same thing that Erica did at the beginning around I when she read it as I am always right, but we're reading it on the page here. Um, and it has so it has a, a whole range of other meanings, right? Mother always lonely, so maybe the mother is always lonely. I am always, 
and then you think, oh, I am always lonely. And then, but when she reads it as I am always, it's so, it's completely different. It's it's a you know a, a charge of identity. And I just I just think the sort of ambiguity, the indeterminacies of each turn in her in her phrasing is is really powerful. And I would only add to that um, exactly what I'm thinking. But I would add to that in, for instance, in Kettle to Pot, the apparent quasi-improvisation, not just line by line, but maybe even word by word when you're doing these noun strings, uh, a word like nettle mm-hmm. and then stung. So nettles will from sting. Nettie. From nettie. From nettie. Yeah. Right. So she's got cooling salt pool and nettle comes down from nettie and the next thing you know, she's going to put stung there, which is something that's not going to work with salt pool, except that it's, I guess, really salty. But nettle, because it's a bramble, will sting. And then you get the for me the most powerful part. So she's it seems like there's improvisation uh conceptually and then as a matter of sound that's going there that you can actually see. And I think nouns strings of nouns really allow you to do that. Um and it's it's just has a marvelous effect. Well, we like to end Poem Talk with a minute or two of Gathering Paradise, which is a chance for several of us or all of us to spread wide our narrow hands to gather a little something really poetically good to hail or commend someone or something going on in the poetry world. So who wants to gather paradise first? I can shout out to a Canadian writer, Liz Howard, um, whose book came out last year or in the fall, I think, Infinite Citizen of the Shaking Tent. Um, She's an indigenous um, writer uh, who's amazingly powerful use of language, and you should all should read her. Fantastic, Eileen. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of this moment that you described, but you also said something about what we were reading, or mm, um, and, yeah. and and I'm still a little bit on Simone White, and I'm thinking I've, I just read Teju Cole's Open City, which is an astonishing book, and I've heard of it forever, and um, and and it's it's a walking it's a walking novel of New York City and 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 at first you think well that's that's that and then suddenly it goes to Nigeria where he grew up and suddenly it goes to Europe and then there's a there's a African diaspora um and then there's a, this there's a rift between um men and women that is puzzling and such an important piece of the book and and you know I just you know reading reading a um you know an African man puzzling out his relationship with African women and Africans all over the world. Say the title again. Open City. So that's been the book that I've been most excited by and and puzzled by and want to be in dialogue with people about, you know, because I don't know what to make of the relationship between men and women in this world. Great. Thank you. Erica? Um, I'm excited about Eileen's Afterglow. Mm. And um, that's the book that's coming out soon-ish. April 2017. Oh, really soon? Yeah. And it's about? Ro- the late, great Pitbull Rosie. Rosie the dog. Yeah. Um, and Kise Lehman's essays. Um, I'm not going to remember the title of the book, but he has lots of essays that you can read online that are quite extraordinary. Kise Lehman? How do yeah. you spell? spell the last name? I thought um, the first name. <laughs> first name is K-I-E-S-E. Layman, L-A-Y-M-O-N. Great. Everybody's writing it down. That's great. And tell me, tell us more about who we... He teaches at Vassar, but he, he just writes these 
remarkable essays about race, class, and academia. Hmm. Um, and and he has one book of essays and one novel, I think. And and in the book of essays, it begins with an incredible letter, kind of like the James Baldwin letter and like the Ta-Nehisi Coates letter in that same form. But it's it's just a exquisite kind of um, reflection on his own decision to become a writer. But he also takes you through growing up in the South and watching terrible things happen in his family and excellent, excellent writer. Mm -hmm. Great suggestion. Um, I want to gather paradise and that is, um, my paradise is Eileen Miles. Um, we have just completed a couple of days of conversations and by the time this poem talk airs, anyone will be able to go to the Kelly writer's house site and look up uh, the recordings from those conversations, a great reading and a good conversation that we had just this morning. And I'd also, since everybody seems to be buzzing about Eileen's Instagram, which is something I follow, but I didn't realize until today that everybody's following and it. And I just put Rachel on it. You did? What was <laughs> yeah. I doing? That cat was so compelling. <laughs> so it's like, is the cat your chin? And it says Zolf. <laughs> so you, you can go to Eileen Miles' Instagram and find out about Rachel Zolf. Um, it's <laughs> Eileen.Miles if you're an Instagram person. Well, that's all the wartomatic bullshit we have time for on Poem Talk today. Poem Talk at the Writer's House is a collaboration of the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing and the Kelly Writer's House at the University of Pennsylvania and the Poetry Foundation, poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guests, Rachel Zolf, Erica Kaufman, and Eileen Miles, and to Poem Talk's director and engineer today, Zach Cardiner. Thank you, Zach. And to Poem Talk's editor, the same amazing Zach Cardner. Next time on Poem Talk for our 104th episode, I will be joined by Patricia Spears-Jones, Charles Bernstein, and Yolanda Wisher, the new Poet Laureate of Philadelphia, by the way, to talk about Akilah Oliver's poem, Is You or Is You Ain't. This is Al Filreis, and I hope you'll join us again for another Poem Talk. <laughs>